Hello, everyone, and welcome to Low by Lit. My name is Tyler Byrne. I am the host of this podcast. I interview writers, poets, publishers, and other creatives from around the world of the internet. It's been about 10 or more years interested in this community, following people on Twitter, reading books, interested in people like Sarah Jean Alexander, like Lucy K. Shaw, like Rochelle Tremirna, like Aiden Ryan, August Smith, and people like that. You can listen to past episodes on Spotify, on Apple, Today, I talked to Ashley Obscura of Metatron Press. Ashley founded Metatron Press. Ashley has founded a new magazine, Gloforia, that you guys should go check out right away. I love this idea. I love the reinvention. I love what Ashley has done with this new website. There was an old website, Ashley, reconstructed and rebuilt everything and had to go back and take everything from the old website and had to rebuild this new one. It is fantastic to look at. It is glorious. It is fabulous. I love going through this magazine. There's all these old, there's this one section that's called Omega, and it has like all my favorite like people, like Sarah Jane Alexander, Mary Boo, Aaron Taylor, whoa, Shai Watson, whoa. Even Ashley has some poems on there. There's little squares. Each one is like a different color, and you can just scroll through. And the great thing is it doesn't like tell you the year, so it just it's all a bunch of great poems from emerging poets and you know a variety of different uh, times in their careers and it's just like really cool i would check out if you check out gloforia which is a really just cool experience it's just uh man you're you're listening you're reading it's all over the it's not all over it's very structured and orderly but like to experience it is pretty cool because you're getting these new writers you don't know what is going to come at you i enjoyed this interview with ashley the founder and editor of metatron yeah hi thanks uh for having me tyler no problem so i guess i always have considered my my main vocation to be a poet um, but over the years, um, that has taken so many different forms. Um, for instance, well, there's Metatron, which has held, um, you know, a space for, for readings and a space for digital publishing. Uh, we had a blog called Omega that was up and running for, um, I think that was about five years we did the Omega project. And then there was a very short stint um, 
before Gliforia, there was another project uh, called Alpha that we did, which was supposed to be an online magazine. Uh, we have a podcast that we, I believe there's like 12 episodes of the yeah. Medicism podcast. Um, and I do various workshops, teachings. I don't know, I guess my whole life, um, the past 10 years has just been fully immersed in the realm of literature and trying to make space for myself and as many other people as possible to, to yeah, to express themselves and to share in the beauty of poetry together. Nice. So when you were like starting out, did you have any idea that this is where like you would end up? And to add to that, where do you see yourself in 10 years? <laughs> projects that you have in your head yeah oh that's a good that's a big and good question um you know when i started i actually never really intended to become so um invested in publishing i think when yeah because i mean i guess i didn't know like mention this earlier but i think the main thing that metatron is perhaps known for are our publications and um it's been like a, yeah, I never expected to still be doing this work, but I've just, I've fallen in love with it. I find um, I'm pretty good at organizing and mm -hmm. I feel like it's so important for, uh, for literary spaces, for these people who, you know, have an interest in organization. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I guess so many things have ebbed and flowed over the years. And I've been grateful that I haven't been locked into one sole project and that the press has been able to sort of like ebb and flow with the changing needs of the community. Mm -hmm. um, 10 years from now, um, I don't know where I'll be, honestly, because every single year comes with its own like triumphs and challenges and um, I anticipate, hopefully, I'm still working in publishing. I hope that the press um, has, like, is able to find, like, more sustainability in the future. I'm, I'm sure, as you know, like, indie publishing is just, it's so hard to keep these projects alive and to make sure everyone's getting compensated fairly. And um, so, yeah, I don't know where I'll be in 10 years. <laughs> but... Um, I hope it's somewhere beautiful with more peace in the world and <laughs> you know so is it hard to sustain metatron yeah it's been i feel like i oftentimes sort of reference like sisyphus <laughs> mm -hmm. and it just feels like a project where i'm constantly having to push this this rock up a hill and the hill is always forever you know, growing in size. And um, yeah, it's definitely been a huge challenge, not only financially, but I think, um, yeah, like emotionally too. It's, it's, there's a lot of challenges that come with working with so many different types of people mm -hmm. and um, trying to do things ethically and try to create, like, you know, a really positive space for people. Um, so yeah it's definitely been a challenge but then in some ways as well i will say like it also just feels really easy like you know like the creative part of it is easy and finding writers to publish is easy but 
you know, building the platform and putting in all of the sort of the boring labor that goes behind so so many of these projects that we love. Um, that that's the hard stuff, I think. Like the less flashy stuff, like the creative stuff, is super easy. But all the things behind the scenes that one needs to do, um, that that's didn't, challenging stuff. Didn't you just recently like transfer like an old website into like a new website? I would imagine that was like, yeah, just the struggle of that would be oh, mind blowing yeah. to me. Yeah, we just we just like rebuilt the entire website in order to host uh the new Glyphoria platform and it was a ton of work uh, i was lucky to have a bit of help but um for instance the omega blog which i mentioned earlier on i think we have like close to 400 different pieces on that and that had to be manually moved over like one by one oh my God. which was wild um but for me like the the idea of creating digital literary archives is super important um you know i think there's been so many amazing temporary projects that have you know come and gone and you know myself included like i've been published on so many awesome websites that you know no longer are online and so many of these amazing um publications just have sort of disappeared and while I completely understand like why that is, um, you know, it costs money to keep these things up. I think for me, the liter the idea of the literary archive has become really important. And that's why we went through um, all the trouble of, of moving everything over onto a new site so that we can um, honor all the work that we've published and also create space for, for to grow in, uh, well into the future as well. So are you like single handedly like going in and like doing like HTML and like CSS <laughs> and all those code? Like, are you single handedly coding it or do you have like helpers to help with that? Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm pretty familiar. Like, I don't do the programming. I'm not a programmer. I wish I was. Mm -hmm. um, but I worked with this awesome duo here in Montreal called World Creation Network. And I've been working with uh, specifically Teo Zamudio um, for like a decade. Like he built Metatron's first website and um, he actually was the one who built this one too. Uh, so I've been lucky to, to work with these people who are more uh, technically minded. Um, but yeah, with, yeah, so I've had a bit of help, but yeah, most like most of the project is is me. Like, no. uh, I have uh, someone that I work with temporarily, like as an assistant, um, Hannah Karpinski, who is awesome. And I've had like the great privilege of working with other editors in the past temporarily. But I think for me, it's always been really, really important to me that I pay people for their labor. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's become, it's such an important ethic to me that it's like made it so that, you know, oftentimes I don't have the funds I need to like pay for the work that I need. And then I just end up teaching myself how to do it. Wow. <laughs> um, but with the case with the new website, we were lucky to get a bit of funding from uh, the Canada Council for the Arts and they um, 
that was, I mean, that they're the whole reason, and this funding was the whole reason that this whole um, website and the Nucleophoria project um, was possible. If you had unlimited resources, what would you create? Mm, that's such a good question. Um, well, I would, I would want to hire a lot more people. Like, I think that there's such a need in the. I'm not sure what it's like in the states. I, I am like slightly aware of what it's like in the states, but in in Canada, like we don't have a whole lot of. We don't have like a super large literary realm. Like I'd say it's pretty small, um, and people. Things have changed, and I think that. I get so many applications of people that want to work with the press and like so many talented people. Um, and I just feel like I would love if I had like a bigger team um, and we could like collectively just like make the press bigger. I'd love to be doing way more publications, more events. Um, but honestly, I think with the new, with the new website, I'm like really excited about it. I think, um yeah there's just so much potential in it and i and i think i don't know i guess i just i'm pretty grateful for the resources we were given to like build this platform and if i had infinite resources i don't know i guess doing more and bringing more people into the project that wanted to to be a part of it would be like my vision so i saw like you guys are still Aside from Gloria, which fucking rocks and is like fucking dope, and like people should go check out because it's like a like a museum that you like. <laughs> each piece is so like interactive. Like I, like the first one, the maintenance. It's like you click on it and you're reading it, and like halfway through the video, the person starts talking about the actual piece that you're reading, and then like the explanation becomes part of the piece itself. It's just like so fucking cool. And then I was, I guess, uh, apart from that, there's another. It looks like you guys are still going to be publishing uh like singles like people like uh by themselves like there was one that's i think like julian neely you're going to publish and then austin that i think has been on this podcast i forgot his last name you know what i'm talking about or no? are you talking about the um like the digital publications yes yeah 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 so that hasn't come out quite yet but um pretty much my vision for that was um which i'm really excited about uh is i wanted to create a space for like long poems and chat books um mm -hmm. online um the realm of like physical books is so like there's so many it's just so exhausting and there's only so many people that i have the resources to publish and there's so many like poets that deserve like a platform and so part of the gloria um project moving forward is going to yeah, be publishing uh like li yeah digital publications which i know isn't really a new thing i think you know we've been living on the internet for <laughs> a long time now and you know ebooks are a thing and audiobooks are a thing and um but i'm just i'm not specifically personally aware of like many presses that are doing stuff like that like I know Ghost City Press does like an awesome micro chat book series um every summer I believe mm -hmm. um 
But yeah, I think that I'm just trying to like uplift and create space for like as many voices as possible. There's so many fucking talented writers out there who deserve that. And if I can't have the, if I don't have access to the resources to put out as many books as I wish, I'm kind of like, well, if we build like, you know, a really legitimate, good looking platform online, hopefully people will come and spend like ample time on the website mm -hmm. as opposed to just like scrolling on our, <laughs> on our feeds all day. Like I'd like to create a space where people can be like, oh, like I'm going to go like check out a bunch of this work for like an hour. And there's just like an abundance of stuff there um it'd be great if we and like myself included i'd love to spend less time on social media and more time just like in creative work uh digitally i guess but also physical as well have you checked out uh like it's called like cool poetry thing it's like this guy named dooski is like friends of friends of rochelle and they have like this really cool website where they they do like digital things like you're talking about I haven't. I'm just looking. I just pulled it up right now. Um, pretty cool poetry thing. Oh, yeah. yeah awesome. And it's like the same people. It's like Julian Neely and uh, Jacob Meyer. Right. Yeah. I think people should check that out if they have the time. Yeah. So like, where, awesome. where, do you, where does your journey begin as a writer? Did you like, write in school? Did you write in college? Yeah, I was, I mean, I just got really into poetry as soon as I discovered it in high school. Um, like E.E. E. Cummings was, I'd say, my gateway. And I just fully immersed myself. And I just loved poetry since the moment I kind of stumbled upon it. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, after high school. But I applied to a writing school at Concordia University in Montreal, which is where I live now. Um, and I came out here and I did an undergrad in uh, creative writing. And I also got pretty involved in uh, the student newspaper. I was the arts editor for an, a year, which is where I actually learned a lot of skills that I used to kickstart Metatron. Uh, for instance, like that's where I learned how to use um, at that time we were using cork for um, like laying out the newspaper. Um, but now it's, you know, I think InDesign is sort of what most people use. But the reason I knew how to lay out books is because I had um, this experience at uh, the newspaper. Um, so, yeah, that's that was kind of my foray into writing. But then well, there wasn't much publishing support for the generation of writers that I was that were like in my cohort I would say um it was really hard to get like a first book published lots of people I was going to school with were writing like pretty experimental stuff and, you know in the tradition of contemporary poetry like lots of use of the eye and sort of the self and I think some the industry kind of like at that point like kind of looked down on this type of poetry and there was mm -hmm. it was just hard to get published and um in university i started organizing a, a reading series uh called this is happening whether you like it or not and was really trying to like make well i've always thought poetry is super cool but i was trying to create a hip vibe around poetry and do these sort of like fun events that weren't 
like in a bookstore or library, but like we're in like loft spaces and we'd have like dance parties after and people would just like sit on the floor and like get drunk and listen to poetry and like heckle each other. <laughs> and I don't know, like I ran this reading series for a couple of years and that's actually, you know, that was what it was before Metatron was a thing. Um, but yeah, I love poets like so much. They're truly like the the thinkers and the feelers of our of our society and the people who I feel like at least the poets I know like such a strong moral compass and it's just the type of people I like I like to support. What years were you running that reading series? The ooh, that's a good question. I think like 20 11 i think is when it started um, so this is like the same time of like almost around like shabby dollhouse yeah exactly like that's it because well this was like alt lit adjacent because like while i was going to school i met someone who was um like heavily immersed in the alt lit world and then uh i tapped into yeah, and through through Outlet, I met like Lucy, like Shabby Dollhouse, and I mean there was so much cool stuff happening at, at that time on the internet in terms of poetry, like when Facebook was still mm-hmm. a thing, and there was like uh, like great groups and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was around that era, and actually, just I think I was, I mean, I was super inspired by what I was seeing. Um, online with poets like traveling and setting up readings through like connections online but like taking that online relationship and like doing things IRL with each other um it just like gave me like not to glamour like not like beat poetry but I just felt like there was like this new fun exciting energy around poetry and I I don't know tried to like do my best to to create like a fun space for it in Montreal and you know, we've done events in Toronto and New York as well. So, yeah. Do you, do you still get that uh, that feeling that you had back then? Because I hear that a lot of, of people, <laughs> like when they started out, they said that like there's this exciting feeling that was happening that they don't, they can't like recapture. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't felt that feeling. I mean, I miss it, but I also, I wonder if it's because like I was, it was like I was younger. Yeah. Um. You know, we've all grown up. <laughs> we have different like energy levels. But I definitely, I definitely do miss it. And I, I often think about like what was it that that like what was it about that energy that was so special and inspiring to people? And like, why did we lose it? How do we get it back? You know, was it just like at the t- right time and place? Because were you also like a writer at that time? Almost? I was. I mean, I was going to school at like OSU and there was a reading series uh, called like Bumpkinitis. This guy named Phil Estes was doing and it had people from like, I guess, like all lit spaces that would come down to Stillwater and like read like uh, Matthias Salvania. He read up one of them and people know him. And like there was something happening just like at that time and like pockets of like the States and other pockets of like Canada mm-hmm. And like, but that we're like also separate and not connected, but also connected in a weird way. Looking back now, it's just like cool to even think about. Yeah, I'm really like grateful that I got to experience that sort of that sort of era of. I I don't want to say early internet because it wasn't early internet, but in a way, it feels like it was 
completely the conditions of the internet were so different at that time and somehow it, it lent itself well to whatever like manifested from that collective energy um but i do miss it like i don't know i guess things just feel different online these days yeah. <laughs> um so many things are just like based on social media and i mean yeah are there any do you do you like are there any, like younger writers that like contact you and like that are in like college now mm -hmm. and they contact you and they're like they're excited about poetry because you said yeah. where you're at there's like it's a very small yeah yeah for sure like there's definitely i mean montreal has um i think lots of like young writers come here for the writing program at concordia mm -hmm. and you know, I think they move here. Like I've heard lots of writers be like, oh, I moved here because I heard it was like super vibrant and I love Metatron and like, I'd love to get involved. And like our events are really different now. Like I feel like I've sort of have transitioned out of wanting to do events all the time. Mm -hmm. um, like I want to put my energy elsewhere. But with that said, like it's become really important to me to sort of be a mentor to younger curators. I think that like not holding on to that power and passing it on to others is like where my intention is at or giving people like access to what I've learned over the years so they can kind of like avoid making like certain mistakes. Um, but I think that like I really want to encourage like the younger generation to like take it upon themselves to like put on those events and create community with each other as opposed to like expecting other people to do it. I'm, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but that was sort of like when I started doing what I was doing, it's like, I wish that these things like existed and I could have just like, you know, moved around in those spaces. But I think so much of it was just like building the spaces that I wish existed in the world. Um, and so, yeah, I think I'm super excited about seeing, there are like some cool new reading series that are popping up in Montreal and, um, it's it's always so exciting. I feel like listening to the, like the youth and engage in poetry is is just the best. <laughs> so earlier you were talking about a magazine that you tried to start called Alpha. How okay. is that different from Gloria? Well, it wasn't multimedia, so it was mm -hmm. just like text. Um, and I did one issue, and the guest editor was Aon Ginsberg, who oh. is an amazing. Uh, American poet. Um, and I think th the problem I ran into with Alpha as well was just like the issue of not having the money to pay for content. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's just me. I just have, I, I do believe so deeply that writers deserve to be compensated. And I know that not many people have the resources they need to like pay people. But I kind of folded that project because I just, didn't see a way forward um at that time and it it was like kind of like what i wanted but then i feel like gloforia is sort of like the second version of that like it was sort of like the first i don't know me tampling with the idea of doing more focused theme-based uh publishing on on the website where does this belief uh come from that you you must or you want to pay writers for your work. 
I think it just comes from like a lived experience of not being a wealthy person or growing up with affluence. And, you know, I think when I started getting into, into writing, like it's such important labor that I think is completely undervalued by our society. And I know that's not our fault. It's just, um, it just is what it is. But I think for me, it's like, I think we all deserve to be compensated for bringing like value value to the world. And I think poet poetry has so much value that's hard to quantify in, within money. But I think it's just like lots of people that I'm in community with, like we all kind of come from like, no one really comes from extreme privilege. It, I don't know. It's just, it's just like an ethical thing that I just can't get over. Like, the same thing with internships too. It's like, I think that people that get to do internships are usually people that can afford to not have to, can they can do like give free labor away. And mm -hmm. I don't know, there's nothing wrong with that. And like, that's awesome for them. But I don't know. I just, I think I've really, I'm, I'm a very stubborn person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I want to put good things out into the world and I don't want to be extractive and I want to try to create value for poetry and I've been trying to, I've been trying to, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so that's like where I'm at. Like I often think about, you know, cause Metatron does rely on the occasional grant from the Canada council. It's not like consistent funding, but I've also always grappled with like the question of like, well, should I ask the community to fund this? And like, you know, like more crowdfunded mm -hmm. projects. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So how much do you charge? For, or how much would you try to buy like a poem for? Um, what does a poem cost? <laughs> well, for, okay. So I've, for Glyph, I'll like use Glyphoria as an example. Like we were lucky enough to have funding to like pay the con contributors, um, but I left that up to each curator to decide. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd say it's like between like a hundred and like two fifty Canadian wow. for mm. home is what most people got, and I think that seems about right. Like I feel like a poem, like a page of poetry, should cost like one hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. But I don't know, like. Some people don't care about that though. Some people just want to like share their share their work and it's not about the money, you know. Mm -hmm. Um if someone's starting a really small magazine, how much? Like how much I do I think people should charge? Or like, even just, like even just like a gesture of like 20 bucks. The gesture of appreciation, but I think this is like a big thing in the poetry world where it's like none of us are like making like a lot of money like, yeah i know <laughs> so it's kind of funny to like you know i it's i find it funny that i'm so obsessed with this idea that like poets should be making money and that we should That's be a good thing people. though i think but you know with that said like some people just just it's not about the money and they just want to like have their work online and you know ideally those things can like lead to like paid publications from people who actually have like access to that that funding but when you were starting a when you started like metatron like the publishing arm like when you published uh like uh oscar's book mm -hmm. did you pay him 
not like upfront, but like all the authors get royalties on their books. So it's like 20% of whatever we made on that, on a book goes to the authors. But now we pay author advances, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, aren't still aren't like, it's not a ton. I'd wish it, I wish it was a lot more, but it's like 700 bucks. Oh, wow. Um, which is like, decent. I'm like, I'm proud that I've been able to like, kind of get things up to that level where I can do that. But yeah, when like Oscar was, uh, that was like very early. I think I published Oscar, like, I think it was the second round of books that we did. Um, and yeah, things were really different back then. So yeah, there was no upfront money, but everyone has always gotten like royalties on their books. How did you find him? Did you, did you already <laughs> know him? No, I didn't actually. I found, I'm trying to remember, because we started the Metatron, like there's the Metatron prize that we've run sort of um, off and on since like early in the press. And I think we discovered Oscar's writing through reading for the prize. And while he didn't win the prize, um, just like fell in love with with the book and put it out and yeah he's still someone that I, I know and am buds with I got to like go to a wedding with him last summer and yeah <laughs> was that a blast it was so fun like of course it was I just like have visions of like everyone dancing so hard to like punk rock music and like being barefoot and running in the grass and it was it was great it was just like in someone's backyard um and yeah it was a blast <laughs> so when did you meet like lucy was this before that you had Os you published oscar was it after it was before like lucy was one of the first people i kind of officially met from like the outlet um community she was in montreal um so i met her yeah i met her before all of that didn't she live there yeah she did but she wasn't i'm trying to remember if she she wasn't still living here when when i met her she was just like passing through and visiting um so yeah that that was around that time i mean it's so long ago i'm like trying to remember but was i it shabby dollhouse out then yeah Shabby Dollhouse was out and there was like Illuminati, Illuminati Girl Gang was another publication that was really cool at that time. Um, Lucy was a huge inspiration for me, for sure. And still is like she's still doing such awesome work. And like same with Rochelle, too. Like, I'm just I love what they do. And I feel like we all kind of do similar things, but just in our own in our own special ways. Have you ever wanted to work like with her on something like a huge project? Yeah. I mean, I would love to work with both of them actually. Um, but you know, peach, peach Meg is its own entity and shabby dollhouse is its own entity and Metatron is too, but it would be so cool to like figure out a way to bring our energies together to create like, um, a project together hopefully that happens maybe in my 10-year plan i'll i'll pencil that in <laughs> yeah because like lucy had you all as like the powerpuff girls y'all should like team up <laughs> with the avengers and create yeah, a huge that photo is so good <laughs>
Yeah, it's great. I think because well, I just feel like I was really inspired by Lucy. And then I think Lucy was first and then I kind of came second. And then Rochelle, I know, looked up to like both of us. And it's kind of been this like, I don't know, like you're inspired by what you're seeing. And it's just, it's a kind of, it feels like a generational thing. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of love and respect between all of us. Yeah, I, I will, I like, when I like need to like decompress, like I'll go back and like read like the old shabby dollhouse, like readers. <laughs> and yeah. I realized because I bought so many books that were like talked about in there. And then when I, I went on like the Metatron, like the, the archive or the publishing, like the catalog. And I realized I have so many books from you guys. And I didn't even realize that it was Metatron. <laughs> they're all so each separately different from the next. Mm -hmm. Do you miss the Shabby Dollhouse Reader? Yes. Let's bring it back. <laughs> yes, we should. Let's start a petition. Yeah, I, that would, I do miss it. And, but, you know, I don't know. I guess things also have their time and place. In like, or, you know, someone could like imitate yeah imitate and bring it back how often was that was that once a month yeah i don't know if i could do that i could probably do like every three or four months yeah that would be bigger yeah and that was i yeah the shabby doll reader was great too and like lucy would always like give so much like love and care to any like new authors i was working with and create like a supportive environment for them because that's like super important within literature is like, yes, like getting the book published and having the publisher is super important, but also having the book fall into a world of readers and people who are, you know, writing reviews or engaging with the work and like that's super important. And I feel like, well, um, maybe it's just my experience, but I feel like so much of that has, is not there anymore. And, um, it's people like Lucy that create the space to like hold the work um, and to like create engagement around it. And the, yeah, there really aren't like maybe, do you feel like review culture has changed? Review or, culture? Yeah, like it's not, it doesn't feel like it's a thing anymore, does it? I have no idea. I'm not really <laughs> into review culture. That's I always... fair. I just mean like platforms that actually like review books. I think it's just shifted to just being more like oh like pop. goodreads yeah like goodreads i guess um, i stay away from review culture because i just i find reviews boring yeah but that's also like really interesting because i feel like we, we i agree i think that but i will say yeah i don't know what i'm trying to say i think what i'm trying to say is that if you have a book published, I think you really want reviews, right? I feel like it's yeah. a way that people kind of garner interest. Uh, they try to gauge like interest based on the reviews. Um, I just think there's other ways to gain interest in a book other than reviews. Cause I guess reviews, they just seem inauthentic to me and like really, really worked on. Like I I'd rather like, see two people talking about a book that they love and like two yeah. people that like are coming off authentic and not inauthentic totally yeah and i guess we have that now with like tiktok and like yeah. book, book, talk. book talk but then book talk is also wild because i kind of was like poking around it for a bit being like okay well how do i get our books on book talk and i learned that 
influencers are just taking like money from publishers and kind of like not authentically like I just I learned so much about book talk that made me lose a bit of respect for it because oh wow I think what you were saying about authenticity is super important and people just sort of being like yeah I read this book and it was amazing and this is why and I think that now it's the case where people kind of get paid to have like certain opinions on things you know Jesus <laughs> Christ I had no idea neither did I either did I and but it's not like that for everyone but like the big book talkers like they're getting paid like a ton of money from publishers. I was shocked, like seven thousand dollars. Jesus Christ! I need to get into that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's more for like Harper Collins authors and this stuff. But I was shocked. <laughs> Have you thought about incorporating like a TikTok into anything that you've worked on? Yeah, I've been wanting to get on. I mean, we have a TikTok. Um, mm -hmm. I would. I mean, I love technology and figuring out ways to use technology to like reach people but i feel like it adds a whole that's a, that's like a whole other job you know like mm -hmm. running a social media account is so much work and now we ha all we have so many now um yeah. for me i'm like i really like tiktok everyone's on it it's it's especially where the youth are, I find. I know there's like, it's all ages on TikTok, but um, I try to I try to think about like what would be interesting that's not already out there. Like, you know, people reading their poems maybe like, I think TikTok is a lot more like face oriented. People want to like see people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I definitely, definitely like to put more energy into the TikTok. Um, in the coming years it's hard to know when something is gonna like when you're trying to think of up of ideas using like the internet and just like knowing what's gonna pop off or what's gonna not exactly yeah it's really hard to know you never know like when you you're putting something out like whether or not people are gonna care <laughs> yeah um people seem really excited about the Glaphoria platform which was which i'm really um, happy about because um, personally like I'd much rather be putting like my energy to like the project like Glaphoria as opposed to like continuing the books like part of me kind of wants to like and this is just me speaking now because the books are so hard to to manage and keep alive and like the distribution and like all this stuff it's just so complicated mm -hmm. um I personally would just love to be able to focus on developing Glaphoria. And I think like my dream for Glaphoria is actually like getting it off of the screen and like my vision, I'd really like to have like a proper launch for it next year and to actually have it like a gallery um, and like videos set up in different rooms and like interactive wall pieces and like soundscapes like just it all sort of like existing in a physical space together um, have, you ever, have you looked into vr yes i've actually worked in vr as a as a writer before like i wow. wrote a script for this um vr video game called museum of symmetry mm -hmm. um and that was like yeah for writers and poets i feel like getting into video games is a great way to make some money because there is 
a lot of funding in, in video games. It's like, yeah, so I got this like contract to work on this VR thing and I got to sort of like interact with VR quite a bit. Um, but in terms of like bringing, like bringing poetry into VR is very interesting, but bringing like text into VR is not ex exciting to me. It's Does not or is? Well, I mean like bringing like poetry itself, like sort of linguistically into VR is super exciting, but like I don't want to be in a VR space and have to like read things. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. You want the experience of what it's like connecting with a poem yes. to experience that in VR. Yes. Yeah, like how did you get into video games? Um I was kind of lucky and I have like a friend, a friend of mine in the community got, um, she's like a friend of mine, Paloma Dawkins. She's an awesome animator. And she really liked my Twitter actually, because I used to post a lot of like one line poems and poetic thinkings on my Twitter, now known as X, <laughs> RIP. Um, but yeah, she just, she was just like, oh, like, I love the way you think. I'm working on this project. It's all about sacred geometry. I feel like you get it. Do you want to come on as a writer? And yeah, she just sort of like took a risk on me. Um, but that piece ended up being really successful. We won a bunch of awards for it, including like a Canadian Screen Award. Um, so yeah, I don't know. VR is fun, but yeah, it's cool. I was looking at one of your projects. I think it was like Oceanarium or something. Yeah, that was another video game, like desktop. How did you incorporate your writing into that? Well, I guess as a writer, like I write the dialogue for the characters and sort of like develop the storyline as well. Um, so some of it would be like say like you go up to it like paloma's video games are very experimental and you sort of just like wander around these very magical realms and you meet these like random characters and they just say kind of like weird things to you mm -hmm. so i would write these like the dialogue for these characters and they would say these sort of like mystical philosophical interesting poetic things oh that's cool so like mm -hmm. no man's sky or something pardon me is it like no man have you played no man's sky no, I haven't. Oh, it's just like this big. There's like millions of worlds you just travel and you explore, and like that's yeah. that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, her stuff is really trippy and psychedelic. It's like perfect to like smoke a joint and play a video game or something. What's your like top three video games? Um, I love Journey. Um, are you aware of Journey? I don't think so. Journey is really great. Um. Is that a flower where you travel around? Um, it's just this game where you kind of wander this desert and it's really like meditative and um, but there's like a lot of like symbolism in it. It's it's the kind of video game where like there's very little, if any, dialogue and the whole game is sort of um, I, it's all like about like symbolism and anyways journey i really like um but to be completely honest with you like i'm not really i don't really identify with being a gamer <laughs> i just kind of like write for it um mm -hmm. i'm not super into video games actually 
Well, that's okay. That's badass, though, <laughs> that you make them, that you, you're, like, you're not into them. I would rather have that than, like, <laughs> people who are just, like, super into video games recreating the same things over and over. Well, I think that's also, like, what kind of gave me an edge was just, like, I didn't really know what I was doing getting into it. But I think because of that, our games are really unique and different because I'm not – it's not like I know the – like, the – how things are supposed to be mm-hmm. um so i was kind of just coming at it just like really raw um and i think paloma too actually the person i worked with um so i think there's a benefit to like not really knowing the ins and outs of a industry um before engaging with it because i think that's where a lot of innovation can come in what's something you look back on and you think was like really innovative and you didn't think you'd ever like create or do and like you're like really proud of yourself or Mm. Doing <laughs> like my own personal work yeah mm. i don't that's a good question i mean obvi- i think museum of symmetry um the vr thing was i'm really proud of that but i think i'm also really proud of the work i've done with metatron as a whole and just um trying to run like a really ethical press and trying to like constantly be like learning and changing um if you've followed metatron for the past 10 years like it's just there's so many different like projects that have like come and gone and evolved or stopped and i i like that there's like i like that i've been able to be like intuitive with things and kind of be like is this what the community wants and kind of taking cues from people around me um I'm really proud of Glyphoria. Like, I think it's, I'm particularly proud of it because the writers and curators that I worked with have, like, specifically told me that this is, like, the kind of work that they're actually really interested in um, doing because we were all so immersed with technology. And as poets, we have so many different um, resources at our fingers now. Like, you know, we're as poets, like, you can create work in VR, like you can do like videos, you can do sound works. And I think creating a space for all of these art form, poetic art forms to like coalesce together. Um, right now I'm, I'm pretty, I'm proud of it. It's still coming together and it's not fully been released yet, but yeah, I'm proud of, I'm proud of Glyphoria as well. Where, what was the initial idea behind Glyphoria? The initial idea came about in the pandemic but i think it's kind of like um a result of other projects in the past like um being really interested in readings and the idea of like hearing poets voices and the idea of um like i've been posting uh like poetry as videos on Uh, mostly our social media and like YouTube or Instagram and YouTube for the past year. Um, And I've really been liking that. I kind of just wanted to create a space where like everything could sort of like live together. Um, And yeah, I feel like I lost track of your question. (laughs) Oh, that's fine. So where do you see Gloria going? Um. I want to get like more curators involved, um, especially like American curators. This was specifically 
a Canadian project. Like all of the curators were Canadian and all the contributors are as well, just because of, of like the, the grant funding, that's kind of like what it was for. But I'd like to get like more people, I'd like more issues up. Um, mm -hmm like curators in the states and curators in mexico and even like different languages i'd love for it to be a platform that like people can kind of come and um experiment with curation you know i'd love for it to be a place where like um emerging editors and curators can kind of like put together um an issue and then hopefully like use that experience to hopefully start their own thing you know or like learn through that process you were um, saying yeah. you said a few times that metatron you try to like ethics is a very important aspect of it could mm -hmm. you expand on that yeah i think it's just like it comes from like who i am as a person like i'm just i'm trying to be a good person and i'm trying to like do as much good as i can in the world and i think operating a business there's so many times where you have like ethical concerns that come up and like i guess i can give you like a very real world example where um like metatron used to be with small press distribution um for our american uh sales and at a certain point a couple of years ago they were called out for like worker abuse mm -hmm. um and i decided to leave um be over it i like confronted them about it and asked you know like i wrote an open letter actually and i just i don't like to support people that are harming other people and i think that's mm -hmm. kind of like the bottom line when it comes to my ethics um and also like all the poets that i work with specifically with the books like all these people are amazing like activists as well like doing amazing work in their communities and it's it's super important for me to like hold space for that and also like make sure I'm doing my best um, to be oppressed that these writers will be would be proud to be a part of, you know? Did they respond to you? Um, no, I never heard from SPD like in terms of the open letter. Um I don't yeah, it was I think there was a lot of stuff going on behind closed doors with that and it had most like it was mostly like a board issue you know like the board of directors um but yeah now we're working with asterism so shout out to asterism they're like they actually started um because of everyone leaving spd and wanting like a better small press um representative um so asterism is awesome and i just wanted to give a shout out to them uh i, I remember, like with, yeah i like working with the underdogs you know <laughs> um, yeah i remember aiden ryan uh rochelle's uh husband who has a foundlings press he i think he also wrote a letter or he wrote something where he was he declared that he was leaving and i think rochelle left too mm -hmm. has that impacted you in any negative way or was that like a great decision no, it definitely impacted us negatively. Oh, like, really? Yeah, like, Dang. I mean, not like awful, but I mean, for a whole year, um, I didn't have this distribution in the States. And then I was working with American authors. And then they were like, well, I want, obviously, they want their books to be shelved in the States. And there, I didn't have any 
um, like people can order books directly from us, but lots of bookstores don't want to do that. Um, really? Well, understandably, you know, they're, they're working with like so many different publishers. They just want to work with like, put in an order through SPD or whoever it is. And for like, you know, 40 different publishers, but, um, I mean, there were financial, um, there, yeah, there was like financial implications of that. And then, um, but like, in, but like, it was all worth, it doesn't matter to me because yeah. I feel like I did the right thing, but, um, yeah, I'm really happy now that we have, we have asterism. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't like the best business decision to make. And I think that's like kind of what I suck at because I'm, <laughs> I'm. I think good. it's like a lot of times you have to you have to risk that for like ethics and like standing up for what like you believe in. Sometimes the finances, it's going to take a hit. And well, it sucks because especially this community and like pub indie publishing, like there's not a lot of money anywhere. So to like to have to do that it really fucking blows. Amen. Like 100%. Like. That's the thing. There's no money in ethics, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's still important for us to be as ethical as we can be. Um, yeah, I don't want to perpetuate any harm on this planet. I'm here to not do that. So, yeah. <laughs> and if that means like the press having to fold and like crumble, like I don't know. Like maybe it's uh, worth it. You know, uh -oh. I don't think that's happening. But I, we are going through tough times. Yeah. Do you need like donations? <laughs> um not at this moment because i, I want to put together a plan before i ask people for anything but i think next year um it's very likely that we'll probably be running like a crowdfunding thing but there'll be like a very specific vision and people will know like exactly what they're donating towards um but yeah i appreciate you asking but yeah i think we need people to like buy our books um okay. <laughs> book sales have been down and i don't think it's because like our books aren't like it's not like they're getting less interesting like if anything i feel like they're getting better and better but i think the whole world especially in the western world though the whole world we're all like going through hard financial times and the reality of that is that lots of people don't have as much disposable income to put towards like art and books and concerts and that's really too bad but that's just the, i think that's just the reality of the times we're living in were sales bigger when the shabby doll house reader was around <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of confusing because the pre yeah, I think it's hard to say. I think sales were like at their best in like 2019, 2020. Okay. And then the pandemic happened and like, yeah, sales were also good during the pandemic. But something's happened in the past year and I've been talking to other publishers as well. And I'm not the only one going through it. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What's is, going. It, is it harder to promote books? Yeah. In a way, I mean, I feel like I'm always biting my tongue, but why? I mean, it's hard to promote books. It's a constant, like, I'm constantly thinking about, like, what's the best way to promote a book? You know, yeah. um, what makes you buy a book if you don't know the person? I usually do know them. That's the right. So that's the thing. It's like, I think the literary community, especially in small, small indie press land, it's like your readers are mostly like your friends and your community and mm -hmm. um it's hard to sell it's hard to sell books um it's like usually like if rochelle or lucy is like promoting a book or li really likes a book 
and then all like oh i should check that out because I like right it. yeah there's like people that you trust that are kind of like oh like if they like it like this is gonna rule yeah yeah that makes sense what about like movie like book trailers what are your thoughts like i think book trailers are pretty fun i've never liked book trailers i never understood <laughs> them that's fair yeah i don't know so this is i'm constantly being like how do we get people to be interested in our books and i think honestly like tiktok is a great like if i can find the energy and figure out how to do that like that's where everyone is it's like millions and millions of people on that platform I like yeah. this vr thing that you're gonna do with Quiforia. yeah or like, what do you make, mean the vr making it into like a virtual you're talking about making it into like a virtual space in a way what? but like in a physical space like in a like you have a exhibition or yeah it? well my idea wasn't to make it vr it was to get it off the screen and yeah. So like how yeah but that, yeah, that seems like really fun. I want to, I want to be doing more events. I think that I want to be with people again. Um, Have you thought about doing hybrid events where it's like virtual and in person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we've done a couple like that, and we've also done some like I IRL like in person events where people like beam in and like we project like readers um, into the space. Mm-hmm. Um. I think oftentimes, like I've always wanted to do, like it takes a, quite a bit of. I feel like oftentimes, like I'm hosting the event, so it's hard to like do all the tech stuff and set up the reading, and then also host and on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's mm -hmm. so many, so much juggling to be done. But yeah, I agree that um, Lucy's been doing a great job with with the press, and like it's so cool to see her publishing books now and the the launches that they did this uh past summer all looked so nice and yeah kudos to to lucy do you see her as like a mentor <laughs> mm, no i mean i don't really feel like i ever had a mentor um i think lucy i think of lucy as like a kindred peer um someone that i look up to but um it's never been like a situation where like I'm reaching out and like asking for advice. I just, you know, from a distance just admire what she does. And um, every, every couple of years we get to see each other in person and yeah, it's always so good. Um, what, what things have you taken from her that you've seen that she's done in projects and that you applied yourself? Mm. I think she's always been really, um, like steadfast and dedicated. And I think that that kind of resilience is what I find most inspiring about Lucy is that like Shabby Dollhouse has been around for so long and same as Metatron, like it's had different iterations and different expressions, but she's always like stayed on it, you know, and she hasn't let that project um, fall apart or die. And I think I, I really, really admire how persistent she has been with the project have you considered going into like an mfa or have you yeah that's you actually did? something i'm thinking about right now i'm, I'm trying to figure out like i kind of want to do media studies but i'd also really like to become like a publishing like i'd love to teach a class on publishing mm -hmm. um, have you thought about doing like just a workshop on publishing like one that mm -hmm. you set up yourself yeah, I'm actually thinking about doing that next year, actually. 
Oh, really? That'd be cool. How much would you charge? I don't know. I definitely want it to be like financially accessible. Um, but I would also want to be able to um, make money. Yeah, like make money and like have the resources I need to like put together a really good like plan and feel like there's been like a mutual exchange that's happened. But yeah, I don't know about the price. I guess it depends on like how many courses it would be. Like I, in my mind, I feel like a six week thing would be good. Like maybe like one three hour class a week. So I don't know yet. Those are details I have to work out. <laughs> have you considered going to Rochelle and like pitching it for uh, a class at beauty school that you could teach? Because I know she like, like some of her friends have like taught courses there. Yeah, yeah. I should reach out to her and ask. That would you be should. that'd be cool. Her classes are awesome. I've taken I've taken one. And was it just does... one class? No, it was like um, just about a month. Yeah. Later. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm actually super like, you know, we were talking earlier on about Altlet and um, kind of looking back with fondness on those days, even though it wasn't perfect. There were other, you know, yeah. But I am really inspired and excited about like things like this, like online schools and workshops, work, work workshopping um, and working with other sort of contemporary poets and learning from them. Um, that seems to be like a bit of a more of a newer development in terms of like what the online world has to offer and totally yeah workshops are awesome even like ben i've taken his a couple times yeah ben yeah ben's been doing awesome stuff i, I actually really wanted to take his uh uh course this december on simon Veil. i never mm -hmm. know how to pronounce her last name whale or Veil. i have no idea e-i-l yeah, she was sort of like a luminous mystic um, who write a, wrote a lot about like, um, yeah, light. And yeah, anyways, it's, it seems really cool. Um, so, there's also Warman School um, and Elaine Kahn also has a writing school that seems. Oh, cool. Yeah. So why would you go to like an MFA for writing or like poetry? Mm. Okay, well... I really liked my undergrad. I don't think, I think the best thing that I got from my undergrad was like community and like the mm -hmm. writers that I met there. But in terms of like, um, in terms of like going back and doing like an MFA in writing, it's just, it just doesn't really vibrate with me. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't love it. I I don't know. I just, I like, I think I'd want to, want to do something different, like communications okay. or media or something. Um, mostly just because I want to like diversify myself and I don't want to be, I have like, yeah, I don't want to be pigeonholed into. Poetry. Yeah. I want, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm working on a new book right now called Boca. Um, and it's about, um, my relationship to my ancestry. My, my mom is Mexican, but mm -hmm. I never grew up speaking Spanish. Um, and so it's about my relationship to not being able to speak my mother tongue. Oh. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a great project, but I'm still, yeah. I've kind of been taking a break from writing to be honest with you. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's what a lot of people should do because I see you see so many writers they write they write a book and then they kind of 
disappear and i tr sometimes i try to find them and ask them and there's like a shame around yeah. having not written and mm -hmm. i don't think there should be a shame there i think that should be part of the writing process you take off a year or two or three or four or five and then you can come back to it or you don't have to i don't think there should be a shame around not yeah. creating i think there's so much of a pressure from people that's to true put yeah. on themselves. Yeah, you put that so well and I completely agree with you and I think it takes time to like feel through things and to I think it is also really important for poets and writers to take time to sort of just be in the world and experience life and gather inspirations and experiences that they can like later write about. Mm -hmm. But I'm really not the type of poet to like wake up every day and like get at my desk and be like, I need to write like a hundred words a day or a poem mm -hmm. a day. I'm very spontaneous with it. And if it doesn't come, I don't force it. Um, you like write on your phone, on your notes. Yeah. I love writing on my notes, <laughs> but I also write by hand too. I have a notebook um, that I also take notes down in um, and also voice memos as well. Thanks. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I read that you were, or like you live on like indigenous like land, like Mohawk. Yeah. People. Are you related? No. Or okay. No, I think that's so. There's like I'm not sure if it's like this in the states, but in in Canada over the past few years, um, especially in the arts world, uh, we um, name the land like the original names of the land and the original custodians of the land because i think that we all recognize that we're on stolen land and that we are like guests and uh it's appropriate to kind of name the original names of these places and to to recognize like who was here before us i've worked with um indigenous authors and mm -hmm. Um, there's a fantastic book that we we put out by Caitlin Purcell um, called Bidayine. Mm -hmm. It won um, the Metatron Prize um, that year, which was judged by C.A. Conrad and Ann Boyer. Wow. Um, huge names, and they chose Caitlin's book. Um, and yeah, there's always I always want to be like learning how to how to do more and do better. Um, Recently, uh, there was an organization that reached out to me here in Montreal that wanted to put together a teaching guide for some of the books that we put out that are from um, marginalized writers, and they wanted to create teaching guides for teachers to like navigate the subject matter. Oh, cool! Because um, teachers really want to be teaching like more diverse literature, but they might feel like a bit intimidated by doing it right. Mm -hmm. um, so this uh, organization actually put together a teaching guide for this specific book that I just spoke of um, that kind of goes over a lot of um, of the themes of the book. Um, so, yeah. Are there any websites or journals that you see now and like you're like, oh, they're doing like really cool shit, like maybe younger, a younger mm -hmm. journal? Yeah. Um, there's uh, Como Magazine, C-O-M-M-O, -M and there is, oh, there's like this other one, let me think. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it right now, that's so, that's so unfortunate. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I'm really inspired by like Wendy's Subway, Do you, are you aware of them? What is that? 
Well, Wendy's Subway isn't like, um, like not, it's not like an online literary journal, but they're like a physical space in New York that have like a bookstore and they run like workshops out of there and they, um, they have like publications as well. And I think they have a writing prize, but, um, I think why I bring them up is because I would really like to eventually have a physical space in Montreal and have like a nonprofit uh, division of Metatron. And it can kind of be like a really great community space for people that live here, but also visiting writers. Like you want to drop by and do a reading, like no worries. We've got a space, like come on by. Do you want to do a workshop? Like that's perfect. Let's, let's put it in the schedule. Um, and there's a couple people in the community here right now that I'm working with on, on this dream. So all to say, and I, I feel like I didn't quite answer your question because you were asking me to shout out some other. Oh, that's fine. No, you're but, good. Um, Have you, you could like pair up with like Lucy and Rochelle and like create like a physical space. We could, but we live in completely different parts of the world. Like yeah, that's true. Europe, I mean, Rochelle's not too far from here. Um, but yeah, I love that you're um, rallying behind us, like working together. I appreciate yeah. that. No problem. <laughs> it's really good for us to put our energies together. And I think within capitalism, like everything's like, you know, kind of can be really, really individualistic. And I would really like for there to be like way more collaboration and um, yeah, like working together to create things as opposed to just like working alone. If you created a VR game for shabby dollhouse what would the game be like <laughs> oh it would be um there'd be many different worlds <laughs> yeah I, like, for some reason i'm envisioning like powerpuff characters i think yeah. maybe we talked about it like you like choose a powerpuff character powder puff am i saying that i said power yeah. but powder puff <laughs> characters and like you just bounce around and you'd go into different rooms and spaces and you'd like discover poems like by like like you'd go into like a field and there'd be like a flower and you'd go up to it and it would like poof out like a poem yeah. <laughs> colorful colorful and um some really good like soundtrack music <laughs> true yeah did you like uh moan wilds have you read that I have not had the privilege of reading that collection yet, but Caroline is one of my favorite contemporary poets. And like, I can't believe I haven't gotten my hands on that yet. Actually, I should just order that right now. But her writing is just, it floors me. It's so it's very powerful and provocative. So powerful. Yeah. I've always been a huge, huge fan of Caroline's work. It just, she's super talented. So if people go on Gloria, where should they like, what first piece should should they just start with the first piece and like go down through the list of pieces? Yeah, um, you can definitely. I mean, each curator put together like an order of the of each issue. So, if you want to experience it in the way that the curators wished you to, like you would do it in order. But I think the whole point of the site is that you can kind of enter it from any place at any time and everything kind of stands on its own anyways. Mm -hmm. um, like you'll see at the top of the site, you can, um, you can read things like issue by issue, but then you can also organize things by like video sound, um, textual poetry. So you can engage with it 
in a lot of different ways, uh, which was important to me. So yeah, just go to the site and just start clicking around. <laughs> Are there any pieces you want to shout out? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, but there's a sound piece in the first issue by Faith Paré. Mm -hmm. um, that one, yeah, that one stood out to me too. Oh, it's so powerful. I think that she worked on that as part of a, I'm not sure if it was a class, but she had some ample time to develop that piece with some mentors as well. So um, that piece, I think it's the second one. Mm -hmm. um, that blew me away. I mean, the whole thing and like there's issues coming up too. like some of the videos are just wild. Um, yeah, th we really lucked out. I was like I was blown away by the, the quality of, of work that was submitted to us. Uh, I, f I feel really, really lucky to be um, hosting all of the writers that are there already and to come. Um, yeah, shout out. So does Metatron have a huge, like, staple, like, in uh, Montreal? I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, we have... Like, people know it. And it's yeah. like an institution. Yeah, people... Yeah, Metatron's well-known and loved in the city, but we've never had, like, a physical space, so... I feel like if we had a physical space, it would I'd feel more comfortable being like, yeah, we're a staple. But um, yeah, we've been doing things. And by we, I mean me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I often like use the, the term we to describe um, mostly like I. <laughs> would you ever have a partner? I've had different people that I've worked with on the press like temporarily mm -hmm. um, that have come and gone. Um, yeah, I kind of like that ebb and flow of like people coming and working on it and learning a little bit and departing and then bringing their own little flair to the project. But yeah, it's mostly it's mostly been me. So we got like three minutes left. I wanted to ask you like what projects have you you wanted to do, but they just failed or flopped mm. and you had to move on from. Yeah, that's a good one. Um. Failed or flopped? I mean, Alpha was just one issue. It wasn't a mm -hmm. failure and it wasn't really a flop. I mean, I think it's important. Like, I think with every failure, it's like an opportunity to learn. So I feel like I don't think of things as failures, but, you know, there's definitely been like books I've put out that um, didn't have like a whole lot. Like, I don't know, like it's people didn't really like engage with them. Um, I don't know what do you think why do you think people didn't engage with the book just be the timing yeah or... i don't know it's like time and place thing it's like maybe like the algorithm that day or the days that you were trying to promote it um have you thought about doing like a republishing mm -hmm. arm yeah i have actually like re-releasing books you mean yeah yeah mm -hmm. i've definitely thought of that like there's some books that I would just love to like re-release, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But I think oftentimes that that brings into the question of um, like, if I have only so many resources to do books, um, does it make sense to focus on what we've done in the past and like reprint books? Or does it make more sense to, to make space and publish like someone new? That's yeah, true. And I think you kind of have to choose one or the other. Um, oftentimes I've been in a position where I'm like, okay, like, am I gonna 
spend like 800 bucks and reprint this book or am I going to like print a new book? Yeah. Um, and I think they're both important because obviously people want their books to stay in print for, for as long as possible. Um, but yeah, it'd be so cool to re-release books. That's a really, that's a interesting idea. All right, well, we spent about 80 minutes. I guess I'll let you go. Thanks for coming on. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. I appreciate it. I have an idea. Here's the thing. Go buy Metatron books and go support them.